Get motivated. Could I use my $150 gift for that? You bet. And lots of other great services, too. My friend Sue is using hers for swim lessons for her son. And my mom is getting her own locker and towel service. Or use your gift for TRX group training or dual club membership. But isn't there a big enrollment fee? No, First in Fitness lowered it to just $20.14. I'm glad I ran into you. I'm heading to First in Fitness to join now. Visit First in Fitness in Montpelier and Berlin and take advantage of this special offer, good for a limited time. moment of your time for our friends at Green Mountain Access. If you're looking for an outstanding local internet service provider, make it our friends at gmavt.net. You could reach them toll-free at one 321 and you can also find them on the web at gmavt.net. Division of Waitsfield and Champlain Valley Telecom, they provide outstanding customer service. They have an incredibly great technical support team. Very much encourage you to use their services and keep your money local. You can call them at one 321 and on the web at gmavt.net. We're broadcasting live this morning from the State House in Montpelier. It is the opening day of the 2014 session. This is the second half of the two-year session that began last year. The uh, gavel will uh, go down here shortly in the House, also in the Senate, where the uh, presiding officer is the Lieutenant Governor Phil Scott. He joins us now live here uh, at uh, the State SMA. Peter Phil, thanks for joining us. How are you this morning? So let me uh, begin. You know, you're a Republican here in a in a legislature that's really dominated largely by Democrats. So what's your goal for 2014 here? Well, obviously. As Lieutenant Governor, um, presiding over the Senate is uh, first and foremost. And, and... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Can you hear me now? Yeah, there we go. Sorry about that. <laughs> well, being muted, I guess, is something I have to get used to. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was the most significant thing you just said. <laughs> um, first and foremost, uh, presiding over the Senate is uh, is a duty that I have to fulfill and making sure, like today, there's uh, 100, almost 150 bills that are being introduced in the Senate alone and being referred to different committees, so I've had to, uh, to go through those and, and make sure they go to the appropriate committees without playing some of the political games that could be played uh, in terms of the bills. I've always tried to be fair in that regard and that's the same as uh, some of the debate that we have we're going to it's going to be contentious uh, there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of issues are coming up and and i just want to uh, uh, continue to in my role to to make sure that we have good legislation and get people together house and senate members administration and and legislature and uh, try and uh, be that uh, consensus builder uh, that uh, we've we've uh, worked towards uh, and I've worked towards. Is there really a way with the domination of the Democrats in the Senate to send a bill somewhere to basically have it die? No, I don't think so. But there are some uh, bills that could go to different committees uh, that that would have a different effect uh, in the beginning. Eventually, those committees would get the bill if they wanted it. But uh, sometimes it's where you send it first that really does matter, and and uh, and maybe it doesn't get the attention that uh, it, it maybe deserves, or, or some folks would like. 
uh, and it may sit there a while. So uh, it's about momentum as well. So, you know, it does make a difference as to where it gets uh, sent first. To you, what's the most important thing that happens in the next four months here? Well, obviously, I think the budget is uh, is first and foremost. I, I think that uh, we have been... Uh, struggling for the last few years, trying to make ends meet, uh, putting pieces together at the last minute, uh, trying to to get the budget to to balance, and we've been able to do so. Um, but you know, the handwriting after you keep doing that over a number of years, it's got to tell you something. We we've got a problem, and and I think that we uh, I hope we address it. I hope we instead of just uh, band-aiding, that we uh, actually look forward and 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 live within our means. I, I think it's very, very difficult, and, and there are so many needs, and uh, the appropriations uh, committees are going to have a lot on their shoulders. Yeah, and you know, and it seems as though there are a lot of needs out there. I mean, we'll hear, I'm sure, a lot tomorrow about drug treatment programs. I mean, the waiting lists are, are, are quite lengthy. There's been this program up in Chittenden County, the Rapid Response Program, which seems to have had some success. But, you know, all of this stuff costs money. It does, and uh, but it's costing us money at the same time. The ripple effect, uh, the amount of uh, theft and, and criminal activity that we have throughout the, st- the state stems from, a, a lot of it stems from the the drug activity and, and abuse and so forth. So we uh, I think it's appropriate that we, ha- we have to find ways to to uh, to uh, try and uh, solve some of the problems that we're facing and and I uh, it's it's tremendously challenging um what can state government do on an issue like opiate addiction well we'll find out I think the uh, the governor is uh, making it a priority it sounds as though we'll, he'll be talking about that in the state of the state address um, addiction uh, you know, I think it's true. Every one of us uh, knows of somebody that is addicted in some way, and uh, the catastrophic, catastrophic uh, uh, circ- um, results of that. And uh, so, um, what we're doing isn't working. So I think we have to continue to look and find out what does work. And it probably isn't a one-size-fits-all uh, scenario. I think that we. Uh, there are going to be different ways that uh, can help, and, and um, I, I, I think the, we'll find out when the governor uh, gives his state of the state, but uh, where the committees go from there is going to be important. Because it seems as though once the legislature gets involved in an issue like this, it's when somebody's already hooked. You know, and this the demand on the front end, the, the funnel at the top is the way people describe it. I just I don't know what anybody in this building can do about that. No, but but we can't we can't just do nothing and uh, put our heads in the sand and make pretend it's not there because it is there. So uh, I think that uh, uh, if we can do anything we can do, uh, I think is is important, and we have to be willing to take uh, take some steps that may be uh, extraordinary. Two four four seventeen seventy seven is our local number. You can also reach us toll free at eight seven seven two nine one eight two five five. There's the governor's going to be meeting later this morning with the two committees, the House and the Senate Health Care Committees. What do you want to hear from him in terms of Vermont Health Connect, Phil? Well, first of all, I think it's very unusual for the governor to go and testify before um, a, a comp- committee like that, a joint committee. Why do you think he's doing it? Uh, I think he wants to be proactive. Uh, I think he's uh, playing offense and uh, and probably wants to set the tone. Uh, so we'll, we'll, I'll be interested in, in what he has to say uh, as well. 
I think there are many that are looking to to get some answers as to why we're in the position we're in right now, um, and probably as to where what direction we're going in, and and being realistic. Again, uh, we um, we can't have uh, uh, rose-colored glasses on. We have to uh, to make sure that. Uh, we know what we're we're facing and uh, be realistic uh, about uh, how we roll the rest of this out. What um, what's been the experience of your constituents you're hearing from? Well, again, I think it's uh, it's a it's certainly a lot of confusion uh, from the beginning. There's been a lot of confusion. Uh, I don't think that's over. Uh, I think that. Uh, when we hear that the, there's as many as 75% of the businesses that have signed up, I think that's because of a, a lot of uh, reasons. Uh, some have extended their coverage as with the plans they have right now. Uh, others have been signed up uh, in, in other plans. But um, I, I don't, I, you know, for the for those that are ex- going through um, the experience of signing up. Um, I think that there has been some, obviously, some problems, and and I I think they're looking for answers as to how this is going to get better. Do you still think you called a few weeks back for having this delayed for a full year? Do you still feel that's I, necessary? I do. I, Why? I think, well, I just think that we've uh, we've uh, we're alone in this. I, we're we're trying to force the issue, and and if this is something that really is, uh, and, and I believe that. Uh, um, in effect, we have to fulfill uh, federal law. I mean, we, we have an obligation to make sure this works. But to force the issue for those businesses with 50 employees or less um, doesn't doesn't necessarily uh, equal success in the future. I, I think that this transition process through the next year is going to be important. We're the only state, uh, 49 other states haven't mandated this for their employees and uh, under 50. And I think that, uh, I think we made a mistake in doing that. I, I think w- with all the problems we've had with the rollout, with the exchange, the technical aspects and so forth, I think that we, uh, we, you know, probably should have just allowed this to happen naturally over the, the next year, work out the, the, the problem areas. And if it's that good, people will sign up. And I think that we still have uh, an opportunity to do that. With that, how would you maintain, I guess, the urgency of the deadlines if you had it, if you extended it a year? Wouldn't people just wait until the end of the year to deal with it? Well, that could be, but uh, I know I'll take from personal experience uh, our own business. I, I think that uh, we took advantage of the grace period going an extra three months, and uh, we're, we're actually hoping that we'll be able to, to go for the next year. And if that happened, we would still continue to sign some of our employees up because some of them, it would make uh, financial uh, sense for them to be on the exchange with the subsidies and so forth, uh, the federal subsidies. So we would be able to do that, and I would encourage some of our employees to do just that. So I, I don't think it's the uh, it would be the the death of the program. I, I think it would actually uh, make so much more sense and allow us to encourage people uh, and and do it in in a, in a way that is. Uh, uh, just makes more sense from a transitional standpoint. Do you think um, Mark Larson, the commissioner of Vermont Health Access, has credibility in the building or not? I, I think they have some challenges. I think the administration, Mark, uh, Mark, and, and the, the whole administration have some challenges ahead in terms of credibility. Uh, 
I think that they, uh, um, uh, again, uh, th- there's a lack of faith out there in, in what's going on nationally as well as in Vermont. And uh, I think that the credibility is an issue. Let's go to Waterbury. Chris, good morning. Yes, good morning, uh, Mark. Good morning, Phil. Good morning. Um, I'm a select board member in the town of Waterbury. You were talking uh, early on about the uh, budget issues and the, and the budget crisis. Um, I can tell you from my time being a select board member that one of the things that I've observed is that uh, when it comes to budget time, the select board uh, tries very hard to live within the budget that they currently had. Uh, in other words, not raise the budget any more than they have to for fear of having it voted down. Uh, part of that, a large part of that comes from the fact that uh, outside costs, meaning state government um, demands, uh, education demands, uh, affect the, the taxpayers in such a way that the only way they can lash out and, and have any recourse at all is voting their own town budgets down. Consequently, um, the town suffers. Uh, we have infrastructure needs that are just falling behind uh, year after year because nobody dares to appropriate the necessary money to keep up with that. Um, last spring, I'll jump to a different kind of subject, uh, but relates to controlling costs. Last spring, I was at the state house. I sat in front of the transportation committee. I made a suggestion, um, a cost-cutting measure, hopefully, to uh, consider slowing the speed limit down from December to March uh, to 55 miles an hour on the interstate um, and upping the fines for driving too fast for the conditions. Uh, apparently, the other thing that I've observed is that no matter how much money we spend, and as far as Dick Maz is concerned, his quote was, uh, we, do, we will not cut the budget. Any money that we need to spend, we'll spend. Well, if you've noticed in the last week or so, uh, the amount of problems, either interstate closures, uh, wrecks on the interstate, um, amount of money that's being spent through your transportation agency right now, I know from some top people at, in those agencies that uh, some districts are broke and will be over budget by spring. Um, obviously, the treatment process to keep these roads open isn't working. Uh, people still are having accidents, still piling up, still costing us horrendous amounts of money, and I would think that it would be cost-effective to slow people down or make them pay for driving like fools. And I'll hang up. Okay. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate your call. Wow. Well, I, I don't know where to start with that, but uh, I think we are facing, um, we're going to be facing some budgetary issues with transportation, uh, maintenance issues, uh, and, and I think that's going to be local as well as statewide. The last month, uh, I'm, I'm in the business. I, you know, I see uh, what we've been doing in terms of uh, some of the plowing commercial contracts and so forth and the amount of salt that is uh, distributed uh, throughout the region. And it's it's by far the biggest year that uh, that I can ever remember in my 27 years uh, in the business. So I think towns are using more, um, more product. Uh, the weather has been uh, obviously uh, extreme uh, in terms of over the last 20 years. I've never seen anything like it. 
So that does lead to to more costs. It does lead to more accidents. Uh, and uh, but I don't know what the answer is. Either. What about what about slowing the speed limit for the winter down to 55? Well, I think that that's uh, from a practical standpoint would be very difficult to administer. Um, whether you change all the signs, whether you uh, have to, uh, um, then you'd have to. Uh, educate the, the traveling population, um, people coming from out of state, uh, so forth. I, I, I understand slowing down is, is the best thing to do, um, but to actually administer that I think would be, be very difficult. Would you? I, I guess I would disagree with his contention that it's that the, the state isn't doing a good enough oh, job I, I would, the roads. Yeah, I would disagree as well. I'm not I think, sure that's what he meant, but... I think that they, uh, in fact, are overwhelmed at this point. Um, I was talking to some of the state transportation folks, and and they, some of the the drivers and and those that are uh, are working uh, these long hours, uh, feel like it's April to them. They've gone through a long winter already. This is, uh, they've worked 26 out of the last 30 days, uh, holidays and so forth. So. I think this is just extreme, uh, and this is just uh, maybe this is the new norm. I don't know, uh, but this is uh, this has been uh, a year that uh, we'll probably won't forget for a while. I wish I felt like it was April. That'd be kind of <laughs> nice, wouldn't it? Huh? Yeah. Let's uh, go to Rich in East Montpelier. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. How about a simple approach like making it a requirement that people actually have snow tires on in the winter time? Look around if you're in a parking lot and notice how many people are riding around on their summers or or um, all-season radials. They're not snow tires. There's a big difference. Thank you. All right. Yeah, again, uh, being properly outfitted is important, um, but uh, we have an affordability issue uh, facing us in the state. Uh, there's some folks that just can't afford uh, to get uh, proper tires and, and uh, properly uh, outfit their vehicles. Um, the other thing is uh, some of the new vehicles that we're, we're seeing, some, uh, I've been noticing some, some of the accidents that have been happening. It's due to trying to slow down, trying to stop rather than speed up. When you have four-wheel drive and, and uh, traction control and, and you feel like uh, you're invincible uh, when you're moving forward, but then when you have to stop is the problem. So slowing down is, is part of the answer. And, uh, and I'm not sure that uh, tires always uh, will, uh, will slow you down fast enough either. Should that be mandated? I don't believe so. Um, I think that there, there, there are some that uh, would say that we shouldn't have uh, uh, studded tires at certain times of the year because of the damage they cause to the, to the roadways. Um, there, um, you know, I, I, I ride around on all seasons. Uh, I get along uh, fairly well. Uh, you have to be careful uh, in certain cir- uh, circumstances. Um, but, but again, I think it, it depends on wh- what type of all seasons you have and what type of tires. So mandating winter tires could mean different things to different people. Well, plus not everybody is also a professional driver. <laughs> well, no, no, and I think you. I think some people do uh, to exceed their ability, uh, and that's what happens on the interstate. They're not paying attention, and they get comfortable. Uh, go back here. You said I asked you what some of your priorities were here for the next five months, and you said passing a budget. 
I mean, is there anything else Phil Scott wants to see get yeah, done here? I, I would else? like to see us uh, address some of the issues around affordability. I'd like to see us uh, put uh, more emphasis on on attracting businesses into the state and and uh, allowing some of the businesses that we have to expand. I, I think that part of our answer is that that we can't continue to be afraid of growth. We're going to have to grow in order to help uh, in some of the other situations. So I uh, I think that uh, I would like to see the legislature spend some time on the economy and, and, again, growing our economy and what we can do to foster that. Any ideas? There's all kinds of things we can do uh, in terms of looking at uh, different ways. I, I know permitting gets overused. I mean, permit... Uh, uh, reform, but I'm not talking about Act 250. I think there's uh, things with, uh, with public uh, safety permits, uh, building uh, conditions, local permits, and, and so forth. That that we could really uh, do a lot of good in trying to to make sure that uh, we don't have duplication. Uh, I think there are things that we can do to make that better. Uh, I, I think that we could work with our education committees and, and work with a, a public-private partnerships in terms of getting uh, the workforce that's needed for the actual positions. Uh, and, and utility rates is something that we have to address. These are That's the, the lifeblood of an IDM. Um, we talk about uh, Vermont Yankee. Uh, and how they are leaving the state, and and, uh, and and for some would say good riddance, but that's an awful lot of jobs. So they're high-paying jobs that are leaving the state, and uh, you know maybe that's the canary in the, in the mine shaft. And we have to pay attention to the business that we have and make sure that they're happy and content and and they can prosper because we're competing with New York. I'm watching the did ads. You, did you see those ads? Oh, in it's the just football it's, games it's too? incredible. Boy, they jumped out at me. They've got all these zones yeah. that they'll basically right. forgive your taxes for ten years. So, so we have uh, you know New York to the west. Uh, that's uh, you bring a business in there and it's ten years uh, tax free. We have uh, we have New Hampshire uh, to the east that's tax free. And uh, so we need some more tools in the toolbox in order to – we can't keep selling the, the quality of life. We have to encourage businesses and give them reasons to land here. Right. But can the state afford it? And can the state compete with a state like New York? Right. It's an investment. And, and uh, we can't compete totally with New York. We are what we are. But we, there are some things that we can do, I believe, to encourage and, and talk to businesses that are that are wanting to to move or wanting to expand. What can we do to help? And uh, and I, I just think we could do. A, I know we're doing all we can right now, but uh, I think the, legislatively, I think there's some, some things that we can do to help and at least send the message. I mean, Governor Cuomo is doing a, a great job with that. I, you know, he's we're competing with New York. Last question. I know you got to go. On on the larger healthcare reform picture, the the hope of the administration to have a single payer plan in the next couple of years. What do you want to hear in 2014 from them on that? I want to hear how how we're going to do it. I want to see. I want to see. I want more specifics. I'd like to see us uh, what it's going to cost, uh, how we're going to pay for it. Uh, I think that uh, Senator Galbraith has uh, introduced the bill to to move that discussion forward. I think it's appropriate. Uh, it sounds like it's it's uh, a long ways off, 2017. But as we found with the exchange and how we had to set that up, and everyone thought that two years was a long time, 
it's it's it ends in a you know in a millisecond, uh, and all of a sudden we're here and we're having problems. So, I think that we, uh, if if that's the direction we're going to move, I want to see more specifics, and uh, we need to have the discussion now rather than later, without spending more uh, tax dollars in in doing this if we're not going to do it. Are draft ideas going to be good enough for you? Uh, it depends on, yeah, specifics. Uh, I think uh, having the discussion, putting it off uh, for another year, I don't think is the answer. I think we have to have some discussions now. What are you going to tell the senators when you get up in front of them this morning? Uh, welcome back. All right. Yeah. <laughs> get, get, take it. A, get to work. Stealing a book at Calvin Coolidge. Uh, Lieutenant Governor Phil Scott, thanks very much for joining us. Thank you very much. Uh, 244-1777 is our local number. Toll free, you can reach us at 877-291-8255. A moment of your time for our friends at Jet Service Envelope, an outstanding local printer. You will find them in South Barrie. But here's one of the amazing things about living in 2014. You don't even need to visit the folks at Jet Service Envelope in order to have them do the projects that you want to have them do. You can send them files electronically, and uh, then you can have them do your project for you, and uh, they even do deliveries. So you never really even have to meet the folks at uh, Jet Service Envelope, though, of course, you will want to. And uh, Jet Service Envelope is a full-service printer. They have now combined their services with accurate printing. They are now even bigger, better, and bolder type than ever. And, again, you can reach them at 229-9335, and they're on the web at jetservice-envelope.com. You can get everything done there from printing a book to the brochures and newsletters that make up your business. And we, uh, again, encourage you to give them a call at 229-9335. And they're on the web at jetservice-envelope.com. Coming up next hour, we'll um, check in with our White House crew out of Washington, D.C. We're also going to catch up with the minority leader in the House, Representative Don Turner of Milton. Uh, also, next hour, we'll chat with Representative Tony Klein, Democrat of East Montpelier. He's chair of the House Energy Committee. We'll speak with him, get his thoughts on where the whole net metering proposal should go and what his committee will be doing on that. As you may recall, we had a discussion about this uh, a few weeks back on the program. Basically, where things stand with the uh, uh, where things stand with the uh, uh, net metering program is that many utilities have hit their cap. So um, there is a discussion about expanding that cap. All right, let's go to, I'm sorry, Rich uh, in Hinesburg. Sorry I couldn't get you in before I had to let the uh, lieutenant governor. Hello. Maybe not a <clears throat> hello, hello. Hi. How's it going? I guess Rich isn't hearing us. All right. Thanks, Rich. Appreciate it. All right, 244-1777. That's our local number in central Vermont. And you can reach us on our toll-free lines at 877-291-8255. Quick break. Back after this. Christmas derives from the birth of an everlasting divine, as our constitutional republic derives from the birth of everlasting principles. Rooted in the philosophy of natural rights, our founding principles believe each individual soul has a right to one's life, liberty, and property, and government is constituted to secure these rights. Progressive.